so that we take a lesson first and foremost is for myself and for all of us that we take these lessons and implement them in our lives many things are related to our practical day to day lives so those things are to be an effort to be made to bring them into our lives many things are related to our hearts so to make an effort to inculcate those qualities in our hearts or something to be cleared from our hearts to make the effort to remove that so this is the object this is the purpose and every lesson is something that i need to take it as for myself personally and each person similarly then inshallah we will find that there will be some benefit to us many a times when something is being discussed sometimes the person speaking shaitan want to take his mind that this is for somebody else and sometimes the person listening shaitan will take the mind that this doesn't pertain to me it's for somebody else so as soon as we think that i hope so and so is listening i hope this person was here he should have been listening then we lost out so everything that is discussed we should be taking it for ourselves personally that this is for me i need to be taking it for myself and all of us need to be taking it personally for ourselves allah alam last year whether we discussed this or not but several years we have been revising one particular aspect and that is the beautiful advices that lukmani sallallahu salam on one occasion gave to his son these advices are very very simple very straightforward but very deep and really in the line of tasawwuf and suluk these advices are like a summary of a great part of what tasawwuf and suluk is all about so as a revision as a reminder to ourselves and perhaps somebody might not have been present previously so this will be a lesson for everybody inshallah so these are the advices that luqmani sallallahu salam gave to his son there are some advices which the quran sharif mentions luqmani sallallahu salam was a person who allah taala had blessed with tremendous wisdom and the quran sharif testifies to this wisdom wa iz qala luqman wa laqad atayna luqman al hikma allah taala says we blessed luqmani sallallahu salam with hikma with this wisdom and he gave his son numerous advices some advices are in the quran sharif 
One occasion he said to his son that over time I've given you 4,000 advices. Now, 4,000 advices doesn't happen in one day, two days, one week, one month. So what we understand from this is that this advising is an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing responsibility. It's not something that a person has done something and it's done, it's over, there's no need to now bother about it. No, it's ongoing. And advice, what is advice all about? Advice is something that is given, number one, with ikhlas. Because nasiha, this is what advice, the word nasiha. So nasiha, one meaning of this word, it is extracted from the usage of the word nasah al-asl. In Arabic, this is where it is used, nasah al-asl. So when a person has taken all the little fragments and bits and pieces out of the honey, and he has made it completely pure, now when extracting the honey sometimes, maybe some dust particles or whatever all came away in between. So now he completely purified the honey, so that is when this is used in Arabic, nasah al-asl, which means he purified it. So this is that reference to it, that nasihat is nasihat and it is advice, when it is pure from any ulterior motive. It's only for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. It is completely, purely with ikhlas. Sometimes a person is giving some advice outwardly, but that advice has an ulterior motive. That advice is now just to score points. That advice is actually, it's advice, but the time and the place and the manner in which it is being given, it is calculated to humiliate somebody. So that is not nasiha. So one is that it must be with absolute ikhlas. It must be for Allah Ta'ala. The other thing about nasihat, this word is also used in Arabic, nasahtu sawb. If some gum, some cloth tears and a person has now stitched it, he sewed it. So now this is also a usage of this word, nasahtu sawb. Now I stitch the cloth together. So what is the link to this? That the purpose of Islam, the purpose of that nasihad, must be the betterment of the next person. Like that cloth, this nasiha, was to sew this cloth together, it's betterment, to put it right, it's torn now, so to mend it. So the object and the purpose is to help my fellow Muslim to mend something that might be torn. Perhaps something got torn in his amal, in the sense that it's not happening. Something might be torn in his akhlaq. Something might be torn in his muamalat, in his dealings. So, meaning there is some deficiency or there is some problem. There is something that he is lacking. So, not regarding myself as better than him. Because he might have one fault, but I have a million and one faults. So that doesn't make me better than him. But at the same time, regarding myself as inferior, in fact, the Thani Rahmatullah explains that if a person, while regarding himself as superior and better than the next person, and is advising him, such as why is haram. 
If a person at that time is thinking of himself as better than the next person, who he is advising? And he is advising from a pedestal. I am somebody and this person is a nobody. Therefore you better listen to me. Such advice is not permissible because this is not nasihat. This is now filled with takabur, with ujb. Because now he's looking down on the next person. And now the more he's advising him, the more he's looking down at him. This is takabur. And takabur is the worst sin. So this is how important it is that that nasihat will be nasihat when it is filled with ikhlas. And the object of it is purely the betterment of the next person, to help him. To assist him, he's my fellow Muslim. He is my brother. If supposing we see something on somebody's, maybe one on his shoulder, or something, one very poisonous insect is now there, one scorpion or something, and he's not aware of it. He's not realizing that this has now jumped onto his back, and now it's going to sting him many times. So now a person starts thinking, but this is not my responsibility, that thing is on his back. So now between, oh, jane apna kaam, his issue. Oh, he realizes, okay, now this is something harmful, but he sees now if I'm going to tell him, I don't know, maybe he will, how he'll take it. So now he is desisting from something that is going to harm that person, he's not removing that harm. So nobody thinks like that. At that time the person realizes this is my responsibility. I should do now what I can do to help. I should tell the person at least. I should try to remove it from him. Obviously every situation is not so straightforward. But that is the the enthusiasm that should be there. And that is the zeal to help the next person. Like we would help him to remove that harmful insect, that poisonous insect. So we should have the heart to give nasihat. But that nasihat has to be, number one, with the right intention. It has to be purely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala and to help the next person. Then though the intention is clear, the intention is correct, but what is being done with the right intention, if it is done in the wrong manner, that too will spoil it completely. The person is sincere, completely sincere, 100% sincere. And he's doing it for Allah Ta'ala alone. He's doing it to help the person. But now he's shouting at him at the top of his voice. So what benefit is going to come out of that nasihat? Is that person going to be ready to receive it? When a person wants to give some nasihat, it is like he wants to fill something very, very delicious, something very expensive, some really exotic drink, something out of this world maybe. Simply we just say Zamzam. What can be greater than Zamzam in terms of any drink? So now he wants to pour that Zamzam into a utensil. Now this is the most valuable drink a person can ever drink in his life. So now before pouring that Zamzam in that utensil, first what he does is, he drills a small hole or he creates a small hole under the utensil. Now he wants to pour the Zamzam inside. So what's going to be the end result? It's all going to just pour out. So now first he created the damage and now he's pouring this most valuable drink, nothing close to it in value. But the end result is still empty. Because he already drilled the holes. So likewise, the manner in which a person starts giving that nasihat, that is often sometimes 
what will put an extra covering around this utensil. It will protect it and comfort it beforehand. Or it might already make it like a sieve. How he approached that nasihat might either put an extra covering, it might comfort that heart before he started saying anything. Or he might already make it like a sieve. Now whatever he pours inside will already be gone in the same instant. If he approached it with some hikmat, by saying some words of making the person feel comfortable, making him feel that look, I'm really, that, that sense must come through. What I'm saying, I'm not better than you. I don't have any right to think of myself as better than you also. But there's something which I think is of benefit to you, it might be benefit to me and you, so therefore I'm sharing this. A person started it off in a way that brings about that, that brotherhood. So now this will be making that heart conducive to accepting it. But now he started off saying it in such a way that he already made the heart a sieve. See, ten times I told you that you got a big problem in life. Now this person has already got a problem now in accepting what he's going to say. See, you've got a major attitude problem. So now his attitude is already going to turn negative. You created the negative attitude. So the issue is that this nasihat must be done, number one, with ikhlas and sincerity, that it must be given in the right way. And then what is being said must also be correct. Sometimes a person is, mashallah, very sincere, but he's giving the wrong advice. So we must be sure what we're saying is the right advice. What we're saying is correct. So then this nasihat will be accepted. There is, inshallah, every hope that if not immediately, sooner or later, this person will accept it. It will sit there in the heart. If it doesn't immediately bring its effect, at some time something will trigger it. That advice that was given to me months ago, I think I need to now start practicing on that. So this is something to be done with these conditions. So in any case, this is the advice that Luqman gave to his son. And he said to him that over time I have given you 4,000 advice. Today I am selecting 4 out of those 4,000. So now selecting 4 meaning something that will now encompass all these 4,000. This is the cream of the crop. This is now the selection that a person of that wisdom is making. So something that is really, if a person latches onto this, a lot of other things will all be encompassed in it. Numerous things will come in line. And as we mentioned at the beginning, that really in the line of tasawwuf and suluk, if we examine and analyze these advices, it is the summary of a very, very big portion of all this. This whole branch of the Sawuf and Suluk. So in any case, the advices he gave him, he then said to him, the first advice he gave, إِذَا كُنْتَ فِي مَجَالِسِ النَّاسِ فَحْفَظْ لِسَانَكَ He's saying, out of 4,000, I'm selecting four. Out of that four, number one, top of the list, so we can say this is the top of the list of 4,000 advices. It's number one out of 4,000. Allah Ta'ala give us the understanding and give us the ability to make amal as well. That really this is, it's taken for granted so much and yet it is so necessary and so important. And it is the essence of so many things. And a person who has managed to gain control of this, subhanAllah he has gained control of so many things.
this first lesson he gave, and now he's saying out of this 4,000, I'm selecting this, that Iza kunta fi majali sinnas, tahfaz lisanak. When you are with people, look after your tongue. When you are with people, because generally it's expected that if a person is alone, then he won't be using his tongue. Unless now he's talking to himself, it's a different thing. But, therefore it is that normally a person gets into some gathering, some friends, sitting with somebody, then all the breaks sometimes just fail with terms of the tongue. Or he's in- interacting with somebody or the other. So now when he's interacting with people, very often this tongue just becomes completely loose. Just goes out of control. Either it will go out of control in talking obscenities, vulgarities, Allah forbid, then it's just blurting out anything, any kind of things but being said to anybody. Again to bear in mind, out of 4,000, top of the list. And this is what we discussed one of the nights, one, two nights we have been discussing this before Tarawi, that how important the control of this tongue is. This tongue can earn a person huge rewards and can destroy him also. It is this tongue that a person has to use to express that shahadatain to come into Islam. Such a great amal happens with the tongue. Allah forbid a person utters the wrong words, this tongue can cause him to slip out of Iman and Nauzubillah going to Kufr. It is this tongue, this uncontrolled tongue, he didn't rein it in. Now in that fit of anger, he just blurted out the talaq three times. Now he's going around looking for somebody to say, no, three is one. Now he's done that damage, permanent damage. Now he's looking how to try and he says, but why is it so difficult? What is difficult? Difficult, we've made it difficult. Deen is very straightforward, very simple, very clear. If a person, mashallah, was very nice, healthy, fit, and then he went to the tailor, for example, to sew on kurta for him. So he measured him, mashallah, this person is a nice bodybuilder, good-sized person, he measured, took the measurements perfectly. And now, after having taken the measurements, everything, now he sewed that kurta accordingly. And in the meantime, it took a couple of weeks. In the meantime, this poor person got sick. Allah Ta'ala protect us, he got very, very sick. So now in that few weeks, he lost about 25-30 kilos. Now after the 25-30 kilos, 35 kilos he lost... And after three, four weeks, he came now to the tailor to collect the kurta. So now when he came to give the measurements, it was measured perfectly. So now he comes and he's wearing that kurta, he's saying, no, this is wrong. So what is wrong? He is ill. That kurta has been sewn perfectly. He's withered away. He shed a lot of good out of his body. So now that he's not fitting him. He needs to bring himself back to the correct size. That was, it was sewn perfectly. If anybody says now this, something is wrong with this tailor, something is wrong with what he sewed, say this person is not thinking right. The tailor did his job perfectly. The tailor made it, as they say, tailor made. This person got sick. He is ill. So likewise, society has become ill. The commands of Allah Ta'ala are tailor made. 
for the perfect society. That if everybody adheres to it, there cannot be a better life that anybody can have like those who adhere to the commands of Allah Ta'ala. But the society became sick. I say we can't put into all these laws. So become healthy again. So the sickness of the society cannot be blamed on the commands of Allah Ta'ala. That's the sickness of the society. We have forgotten how to use our tongues. We don't adhere to the rules that if a person, it has become a situation where talaq has to be issued, then what is the procedure? That there are so many details behind it. When, in which time is it permissible to give talaq and when is it not permissible to give talaq? There are certain periods of time that the talaq is, though it will be effective, but it is haram to give the talaq in that time. It will be a sin to issue the talaq, even where the issuing of the talaq might now, might now be the best thing to do under the circumstances. Allah Ta'ala has made talaq as a last resort. Sometimes it becomes a situation now where that foot, if it's not amputated, the whole body is at, in danger, in risk. Because of that gangrene that has set in whatever Allah Ta'ala protect us. So now that is the last resort. They tried the medication, they tried whatever else, they tried the treatment, they tried anything and everything. Everything failed. So now when everything fails, then it comes to the point of amputation. So likewise, sometimes it becomes that this might be the best thing in the light of whatever the situation is. After all the efforts have been exhausted, everything has been done, whatever could be done was done, but now nothing helped. And now in both parties' best interest, this becomes the most prudent thing to do. But then too there is a procedure. Then too is not anyhow in, any, in just any way. Then too it would be that he must now only issue in the correct time one talaq. And then if he's still wanting to issue a second talaq, there's a whole procedure again. After a certain period of time has passed, one cycle has passed, etc., now he will issue the second talaq. So there's a whole procedure. Now that is the perfect, that deen has created such a perfect system, that this person now in that fit of anger, he wants to do something. So this is a procedure. If he fo- follows the procedure, tomorrow he comes into his senses, the door is still wide open for reconciliation. But now the society became sick, the society has become ignorant, the society is not concerned about the commands of Allah Ta'ala, of the procedures that Sharia has put in place. They say, no, but these laws are very, very difficult. The laws are perfect, but we have become sick. So in any case, this is again the same thing that this tongue, stemmed out of this discussion of this tongue, that this tongue is such a great limb, such a great na'mat of Allah wa ta'ala. A person can earn tremendously great rewards with this tongue. That one subhanallah he says, this whole world can't give the equivalent of what the reward of this one subhanallah is. And that one subhanallah was uttered with the tongue. But at the same time, this tongue can cause so much of damage. This tongue, all the sweet things of the world, can't compare to the sweetness that this tongue can create. The sweetest things, the sweetest delicacies can only sweeten the tongue. But if this person uses the right words, he can sweeten somebody's heart. And the bitterest of things can't compare to how bitter this tongue can make something. He utters the wrong things, something bitter a person eats, his tongue will get bitter for a while. But sometimes some things are said in such a way 
that it leaves the bitterness deep down in the heart for years. So this is the aspect that is being advised. That إِذَا كُنْتَ فِي مَجَالِسِ النَّاسِ فَحْفَظْ لِسَانَكَ A person who's learned to control his tongue, then he's learned to control many, many things. Sometimes, maybe easier for a person to control a wild horse than control his tongue. Because he's let that tongue so loose for so long, so now to rein it in, that wild horse is easier to train. But that effort has to be made. And to bring this tongue under control. Jirmuhu sagheer wa jirmuhu kabir. Very small in size, but the crime it can commit can be very severe and very great. So this is the first advice. إِذَا كُنْتَ فِي مَجَالِسِ النَّاسِ فَحْفَظْ لِسَانَكَ Then the second thing he says, وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي بُيُوتِ النَّاسِ فَحْفَظْ بَصَرَكَ And you are in the homes of people, look after your gaze. Talking about a time and place where there was this consciousness of haya, of hijab. Nobody would be roaming around without any hijab. So this possibility of casting lustful glances and misusing the gaze, etc. Outside was like almost not possible. Illa mashallah. Because everybody was so conscious of this. Where it could have happened is somebody went to visit in somebody's house, small little house, two by two, everybody is in the same two by two. So it's a possibility that there might be some, some chance that he might, his gaze might fall on someone. So that is why he said, And obviously in that time and age, there was no cell phones. So all the filth wasn't available at the press of a button. But now this doesn't, is not confined to any place. It's anywhere and everywhere. That fahfaz basarak. He said, when you are in anybody's house, look after your gaze, now it's the whole world. Wherever in the world you are, look after your gaze. Now, again, 4,000 advices, selecting four out of them. And as we said, that really this is the ruh of the sawuf. This was his theme in every bayan. Generally, that look after your gaze, look after your heart, then inshallah the path of reaching Allah Ta'ala is open for you. The external things, Hazrat Yusuf explained, that the appearance should be adopted as well, full beard, garments above the ankles. Person did this, this is the difficult part for many a person. He's done this difficult part, he got this right, all the other things externally will become easy also. And the internal things, Look after the gaze, look after the heart. Person brought this under control, then the road, he says, this is my 80 years experience. The crux of my 80 years experience, I'm summarizing it into this. And the person brings control of these four things, two externally and two internally, the rest of it all will become very, very easy and the path is open. It's not that this is everything. It's not everything, these are four things. But these are four keys. These are four keys that will open all the doors. So therefore this is the emphasis he is placing. And this is what either we slip by our tongues and all that we earned in the month of Ramadan. Somebody was crying at the Kaaba Sharif at Baitullah, standing at Multazam. Somebody is standing in Arafat and making dua and pouring his heart out. And somebody, mashallah, whoever. But then 
either with our tongue or with our gaze, we pour it all back out. Whatever we pour into our hearts, we drain it all out. So a person has to protect, one is to earn it, the other is to look after it and to grow it. So in order to protect it, he has to keep it safely. So keep the windows and doors closed through which this escapes. And the window and door of the eyes and the tongue, the ears, these are the windows and doors we have to keep closed to all sin, to all kinds of disobedience. This will keep this protected. So fahfaz basarak, look after your gaze. So one is that a person must be careful all the time, but then together with that, he should be conscious of not allowing deliberately such situations to come about, which bring about this, a person becoming lax, or then slipping repeatedly, and the work environment, etc. So now sometimes he's working in a place where there's females also. So he needs to abide by what is the principles, he needs to keep his distance, if there's some kind of communication that has to happen, it must happen completely formal, no niceties involved. Completely formal with his gaze low. And purely whatever it was absolutely necessary to discuss, only that was said and done. And that too keeping a distance. And come what may, there should never ever be seclusion with any female, any non-mahram. It can be any secretary, it can be anybody. For any purpose, there should be no seclusion whatsoever. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Islam says, when a strange man and woman are in seclusion, the third person is shaitan. The third person is shaitan. And shaitan will do whatever he can to create thoughts and feelings and to create fitna and mischief. And it will start. And a person thinks, I'm immune, nobody's immune. Shaitan said to somebody, if I had the opportunity, and if Hassan Basri, Rahmatullah person of that caliber meaning, and if a woman of the caliber of Rabia Basriya, if I find the two of them in seclusion also, I am not despondent of creating mischief between them. So who are we? So this is something, person doesn't play with sparks, to say that this is not a fire, this is just a spark. He doesn't play with sparks. Because sparks become fire. A small spark can create the same inferno that an explosion can create. One is a whole tanker exploded, Allah forbid. What a kind of fire that will create. But that might create that huge inferno in one second. Because that exploded now, it's full of 50,000 liters of fuel. So it will create a huge inferno in one moment. But that spark can also eventually create the same inferno. That spark might take a longer time to get there. It might happen in one day, it might happen in a couple of hours sometimes. It might not happen in one instant. But that spark has the same potential to create that inferno that, like that explosion created. So a person doesn't play with sparks that this is not fire. This is fire also. It has the same potential of damage. So this was the second advice he gave to him. That look after your gaze. And then the third thing, he said that وَإِذَا kunta. When you are in salah, look after your heart. One is mashallah in madrasa, etc. Through the ulama kiram, we've learned the external aspects of salah. And that too is extremely important. It's essential that we perform the postures of salah, all the things to be recited in salah, everything correctly, properly. Mashallah, we've learned that. 
that too often is, there's a lot of mistakes in that, there's a lot of deficiencies in it, we've got to keep revising that and making sure we're doing everything correctly, fulfilling all the postures in the sunnah manner. But, together with the external part of salah, there's an internal part of salah. The internal part of salah is what is in the heart, that khushu, that connection with Allah Ta'ala at that time. So one is the external postures of salah, that has to be correct. Those are the arkan and the faraiz of salah. That he has to make takbir at harima, he has to make qirat, he has to make ruku, he has to make sajda. These are all things that are fundamentally important. But is it being done with the heart that is required? This is the internal farz. Though we won't say that the salah is now not uh, fulfilled, but for that acceptance this is the necessary part of it. So Luqmai salatu salam is now, as we said, this is the ether of tasawwuf. If these things come in hand, everything has come in hand. Everything else will be easy. Person has got his tongue and his eyes in order, inshallah. Then he's saved from all the other sins, inshallah. Because these are the things that he slips by most. Like he's making effort to stay away from committing any sin with his tongue, with his eyes. Then to stay away from other sins will be very easy. And then his salah is in order, when a person's salah is in order in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, As-salatu imaduddin. The person whose salah is in order. So that salah is the foundational pillar of deen, the central pillar of deen. Man aqamaha faqad aqamaddeen. The person who has established his salah. The same word again, established. What we discussed one of the evenings, establishing salah. Now he's establishing salah, he's concerned about it. Every salah, with jama'ah, with takbir ula. Unless where shariat has given him a valid, where there's a valid reason which shariat has given him permission to absent himself. Otherwise every salah, with jama'ah, with takbir ula. And it's not happening, something is missing somewhere. Then what we discussed last night, that mu'aqaba. Inshallah we've started this, this morning we would have made this musharata and this pact with ourselves. And now, that muraqaba and mujahada would inshallah be ongoing. Allah's fazal in the month of Ramadan, there isn't hardly any mujahada involved in any, in most of the issues. But then at the end of the day, that muhasaba and then that muaqaba. If we find we slacked in something, then that muaqaba, some penalty upon ourselves. So now something is not happening, then the penalty that will create that, that, bring that pinch on the nafs. Now why did I miss my jamaat again? This can't carry on indefinitely. One day, two days, something happened, person overslept, or that alarm didn't ring for some reason, whatever, something happens once in a while, understood. But now this becomes a habit, every other day, consecutively, several days is happening. So now this requires some intervention. Iqamat salah. So to establish salman, aqamaha faqat aqamat deen. Then he will, he has established deen, meaning this will bring him to fulfill all the laws of deen. If he has truly established salah, not just haphazardly performing it, sometimes there, sometimes not there, not fulfilling the postures of salah correctly, the heart is not there. If he's truly established salah, that salah will bring him onto the rest of deen. But now this is something to take a stock of ourselves. How much of importance there in salah? How often person says that I was busy on a phone and suddenly I realize the time of salah went away. Busy on the phone doing what? I was playing games. I was playing games. Childhood hasn't gone. You see, before, only children had toys. So that time was toys for small children. 
Now there's big toys for big boys. Before were small toys for small boys. Now sometimes those toys have just grown in size or grown in, in, in the value. It's become now more sophisticated. So now big toys for big boys now. But now that just doesn't finish off. Bachpan aagaya, lekin bachpan khatam nahi hua. Bachpan, bachpan means childhood. And pachpan, 55. This is pachpan aagaya, 55. The age has come to 55, lekin bachpan khatam nahi hua. The childhood is still not gone. Still playing games. And we're still busy with all kinds of futility. Really this device, this is the choice device of shaitan. Very useful if a person knows how to use it correctly. Otherwise it is the choice device for shaitan, choice tool. To get a person just caught up in so many things and waste his time and make him miss his salah and make him become unconcerned about so many responsibilities, responsibilities of deen, responsibilities towards people. just becomes completely absorbed and engrossed in a different world. And he is lost to the whole, to people around him and to his own responsibilities towards Deen. And how often these kind of things come up? That it's a dysfunctional home. Because everybody is connected outside the home through those devices. So the whole time everybody is sitting around. But it's a dysfunctional situation. Because everybody is connected elsewhere. The husband and wife are sitting maybe a half a meter apart. But both are far away from each other in terms of each one is connected in a different part of the world at that moment. So this is what Shaitan has now made this tool. So in any case, this was the lesson Luqman gave. إِذَا كُنْتَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَحْفَظْ قَلْبَكَ And then the th- fourth thing he said, وَإِذَا كُنْتَ عَلَى الْمَائِدَةِ فَحْفَظْ بَطْنَكَ This what we said is the khulasa of tasawwuf among the things that the mashayikh emphasize one of the first things the same thing was the first point here look after the tongue they say control your speech the second thing that the mashayikh say meaning don't sleep more than what you require that is in our context previously they used to make a lot of mujahada and all this even eat in uh, speaking meaning what is necessary some kind of light hearted talk to keep oneself refreshed lot of things Allah has made permissible. But to keep it controlled from anything that is impermissible. Any ghibat, any kind of hurtful talk, etc. So this is part of the essentials of this, of the advice of tasawwuf. Then, qillate ta'am. Now this is the fourth point. These are among the four mujahadat that the mashayikh say has to be made for a person to now progress. So now in that time they say eat less. Now the Mashayikh say that this is now revised for us. That eat according to your need, don't overeat. Don't make needy eating the object of life. Don't make this the purpose of existence. We eat to live, we don't live to eat. Eating is to keep us alive. It's not that we have to keep living so that we can try and have something better to eat each time. So... This was the next advice he gave because this too, overeating creates even spiritual lethargy. Besides being very harmful for one's health, it creates spiritual lethargy. And when a person, one is mashallah, Allah Ta'ala has provided some ni'mad, Allah Ta'ala has provided some delicacies for him, he must appreciate it, make shukar, partake of it. 
But this should not become the focus of his life. If he didn't have it, he can't function. If he didn't have it now, he is upset. If he didn't have it now, then his whole day is gone haywire. Now where this kind of simple food I'm going to eat? I must have everything at a certain standard. Sometimes he got those ni'mas, mashallah, he made shukar. Sometimes it's something simple, he made shukar on that too. So, this must not become his purpose of life. Mashallah, whatever Allah Ta'ala provides for him, he will make shukar on it. Those ni'mas and bounties of Allah Ta'ala, he will eat, he'll make shukar. That too will take him closer to Allah Ta'ala. At-ta'imu shakir kasa'im is sabir The person who is eating and making shukar is like the person fasting and making sabr. But the shukar, this transformed it into that ibadat. So in any case, this was the fourth thing, the skillatek ta'am, this too is part of the mujahadat of tasawwuf. This too is included in here. And then the aspect we mentioned about the majalis in nas that comes to ikhtilat. Qillat ikhtilat ma'al anam. That you try and curtail too much of mixing up. Too much of meeting anyone and everyone. All kinds of people we just want to spend time with, associate with anyone and everyone. At no time it is permissible for us to look down at, upon anyone. That is the kabbur, that is the worst sin. But without looking down upon anyone, we have to be very conscious about where we sit, who we sit with, who we associate with, because that person is better than us. But despite being better than us, if there are certain things that we are going to get influence about in his company, we are going to harm ourselves. So without regarding ourselves as better, we have to protect ourselves. So we will not look down upon anyone, but we will have to be careful at the same time. This is a very, very fine line. Without looking down upon somebody, we are going to have to be careful about things. So, these were the four advices he gave him, and then he said that two more, the bonus, what were the two more advices he gave? One, he said to him that whatever good anybody you have done to anyone, if you have done a favor to anybody, don't ever remember it. You've done somebody some favor, who you did it for? You did it for Allah. So now what is the point in remembering it? Remembering it is meaning that this wasn't done for Allah, it was done for, it was a barter of some sort. I did something, so I must get something in return. Now that was a barter, that was some, we're trading now, we're not doing favors. And reminding of those favors, sometimes we did somebody some favor, and then sometimes something happens again, so now we remind the person, after what I did for you, now you're doing this to me. So what I did for you, that I did for Allah, so why is that coming now? After all what I did for you now, this is the return I get. So what return were you expecting from me? You got your return from Allah Ta'ala. So that reminding of those favors, that destroys that good deed that was done. لا تبطلوا صدقاتكم بالمن والأذى Allah Ta'ala says, don't destroy your sadaqat, that sadaqah you gave, etc., charity, whatever good you did. Don't destroy it by giving reminders. And giving the person that pain over that reminder now. So you did some favor to somebody, don't remember it, forget about it. You did it for Allah, it's done now. You got your reward, inshallah. And if somebody has treated you negatively, badly, don't remember that also. Because what are you going to get out of remembering that? You're going to just carry that misery along. You're going to carry that misery along and who's going to be miserable? You're going to be miserable. That person did that 
wrong, it was wrong. But he forgot about it. He's carrying on with life like nothing happened. Who's miserable? You're miserable. So why keep yourself miserable? And this is, this is this aspect of how beautiful our deen is and the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa In that one hadith sharif where Nabi Islam says, Man kadama ghaywan wa huwa qadirun ala infadihi mala allahu qalbahu amnan wa imana. The person who restrains his anger. Now sometimes somebody said something and he wants to also say something in return and he wants to do something. But he restrained his anger. Why he restrained it? For Allah Ta'ala. وَالَّذِينَ صَبَرُوا بْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِ رَبِّهِمْ They're making sabar for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Not for any other reason. Not out of desperation. Not out of lack of choices. For Allah Ta'ala. So now he restrained his anger for Allah Ta'ala. Though he could have given vent to that anger, but he restrained it for Allah Ta'ala's sake. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart amnan wa imana with peace and iman. Now one is that immediate anger. Then too he'll get this. His heart will fill up with peace. It's something to experience. And one is sometimes, okay, it lingered for a while. So now what happens? Now those feelings of revenge come in the heart. I must now exact revenge in some way. Meaning something or the other. If I don't do it myself, I hope somebody else does it to him. I hope he falls somewhere. Hope Nauzubillah's business must fail. Something else must happen. Now this, so what is this? This is that anger which becomes malice in the heart. This is that malice. But a person must, if a person has extracted this and uprooted this malice and thrown it out, the same aman will be felt. This peace will come in the heart. He wants that peace in his heart. This is a prescription Nabi Islam already gave us. Take this anger out. Either that immediate anger, restrain that. That too is the first step of it and that is the real place of it. And for some reason that didn't happen at that time. It's still lingering. Take it out now and see the peace comes. Otherwise the person himself is miserable. Nobody else is feeling that misery at that time. He's feeling it. Now one person made him miserable. Now the second person, then the third person. Who's suffering that misery? Himself, nobody else. We are insan, we'll feel something. One day sometimes, one, two days, two, three days. But then, we need to now move on with life. And these are the things that a person who engages his heart and mind positively, engages his heart and mind in the way that takes him closer to Allah Ta'ala. That if this happened now, it happened. But by forgiving, I will get closer to Allah Ta'ala. فَمَنْ عَفَى وَأَصْلَحَ فَأَجْرُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ the one who forgives and he mends the ties, he mends the relationship, فَأَجْرُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ His reward is with Allah Ta'ala. وَلَمَنْ صَبَرَ وَغَفَرَ إِنَّ ذَلِكَ لَمِنْ عَزْمِ الْأُمُورِ person who adopts that sabr and he has the heart to forgive. This requires courage. Yes, it requires great courage. إِنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ عَزْمِ الْأُمُورِ But the greater the mujahada in something, the greater the rewards in the akhirat, even the benefits in dunya also. The benefits in dunya also are so much greater. And the biggest benefit comes deep down in the heart. This heart gets connected to Allah. Because he's doing it for Allah. He's not doing it for people. He's not doing it because I need something back from this person tomorrow. So I'd rather now just overlook it today. He's doing it for Allah. So his heart is getting connected to Allah. So that heart gets filled with peace and sukoon that Allah then gives. 
So these are the two things. Well, these two actually one advice. Don't remember your favors to people. Don't remember people's ill treatment to you. You got upset about it one day, one, one, two days, but then get over it and carry on with life. Forget about it. And the last aspect that he mentioned, don't ever forget Allah, don't ever forget death. Person who will remain conscious of Allah Ta'ala, he will fulfill the commands of Allah Ta'ala. And a person who is conscious of death, then that will become a barrier between him and sin. Because that can come at any moment. I don't want to be leaving this dunya in a condition of sin. So I must stay away from sin. Because that could come any moment. So these are the summary of so many things. And really, this is the advice of a very wise person, Luqman Hakim. So obviously this is filled with so much of wisdom. It's the crux of the Quran and Sunnah, of the lessons of the Quran and Sunnah. That if a person takes this to heart, his mu'amalat, his mu'asharat, his akhlaq, his ibadat, everything is in here. So, these are things for us to take deep down. Allah Ta'ala give me also the tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq of making amal upon it and to pass it on to others as well. وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنزل عز الأكرم ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه اجمعين والحمد لله